am I? How tough am I? I had a bowl of nails for breakfast this morning. <laughs> yes, so? Without any milk. Hello, Nailer fans, and welcome in to another exciting episode of The Toolbox. I'm your host, DJ Abacella, and coming up on this week's program, two more players have signed on to play with the Nailers in 2018-19, bringing our season total to five thus far. One of them is a forward, one of them is a defenseman. I will introduce you to both of them and tell you what you could probably expect from them when they hit the ice in black and Vegas gold in the fall. There was also a very big signing from a a wheeling perspective by the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. One of last year's big contributors earned himself an AHL deal and that could help him see time in wheeling coming up this season. I'll tell you what the average lifespan is, at least thought around the league is, for how long a group of players typically stays together and how we've seen that develop in wheeling, at least over recent seasons. Our Where Are They Now? We check in on a former wheeling Thunderbird and an interview that you will not want to miss. It is an interview with the former Wheeling Nailers captain, now married assistant coach of the Worcester Railers, Derek Army. If you've listened to the first 11 episodes of The Toolbox, you know that I don't mess around and I dive right into the transactions. So let's go. Two signings with the Nailers that were announced earlier this week. First off is a forward, Cedric Lacroix. Cedric comes to us after playing four years of college hockey at the University of Maine. You remember University of Maine is also the same college where Cam Brown went to school. So Cedric and Cam were teammates for three years. More on Cam coming up later in the program. Lacroix, 21 goals, 19 assists, and 40 points in 145 games with the Black Bears. Head coach Mark Dennehy says he plays well in the hard areas and will do well in the pros. When you look at his stat line through the years, College numbers were somewhat average, but something that you definitely notice, if you're a pro player and you can use that size to your advantage, you can create a lot more scoring opportunities, obviously more games here at the pro level than the college game, and also you're seeing more ice time. If you are a second, third line guy in college, third, fourth line college especially, you're not seeing as much ice time as you would here in the ECHL, where we're playing with the 10 forwards, thus creating a lot more opportunities. If if you look at the stat line too, I know some of our fans will get excited because they saw that he had a couple of triple digit penalty minute seasons in the USHL, so there's also a physical side to his game as well. And there's a family connection as well for Cedric, as his father Dan is a former NHL player and a former assistant coach in the National Hockey League. Dan Lacroix's style was also a very in-your-face type of player. So we welcome Cedric aboard and he will be making his pro debut with Wheeling coming up in the fall. Signing number two is Dalton Carter, and Dalton got a chance to play a little bit of the pro game at the end of this past season when he suited up in two games for the Toledo Walleye. He comes out of Utica College where he played four years, and he's coming off of a really big senior year, which saw him score 11 goals, 28 assists, and 39 points in 26 games. So the look at him is probably going to to be an offensive type defenseman and head coach Mark Dennett he said that he has a bomb for a shot so that's something that we've seen go in and out a little bit here in Wheeling over the years but always nice to be able to have a blue liner with an absolute cannon. 
Both of these players, obviously, LaCroix and Carter, are going to be going into their rookie season. So three of the players signed out of the five are rookies as we make our way through the early part and starting to get into the middle part of the summer as the roster takes shape. And as you can see, and we've talked about it throughout here on the Toolbox, definitely looking at a younger team and definitely looking at a newer look team. However, there could be one returning face now thanks to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins and a big job by them getting a player signed to an AHL deal it is Cam Brown who had a magnificent year last season as a rookie with the Nailers 53 points in 55 games as I said this is enormous number one because it keeps Cam in the organization Cam Brown is a good enough player to get noticed and to be able to earn an American League contract so to be able to keep him within the parameters of the organization let's say we'll Wilkes-Barre is filled up offensively and Cam goes down to the ECHL. That keeps him here in Wheeling and even though the Nailers had his rights because of a uh, qualifying offer. Now they don't have to worry about wheeling and dealing with other teams and figuring that whole mess. He is locked in. He's in the organization. It'll help him advance in his career. And if he does come to wheeling, it also is a huge help because he won't count against the ECHL salary cap as heavily as he may have if he had signed an ECHL contract. So that's always helpful when your AHL team can sign players to deals because AHL players all count the same and it can be significantly less than an ECHL contracted player. Now they will still make AHL money which will be higher than ECHL money so at the end of the day everybody wins and it's a big time plus so Way to go, Wilkes-Barre Scranton helping us out with the Cam Brown signing, a big difference maker, hopefully, as we look towards 18-19. But that wasn't all for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, who also signed four other players who have wheeling connections to them in their careers. First off was Troy Josephs, who spent a majority of last season with the Nailers. He started out the year hurt, but then came to Wheeling, and you started to see him really flourish through the second half of the season especially. Finished the year with 16 goals, 20 assists, and 36 points in 43 ECHL games with the Nailers. Had a hat trick against the Indy Fuel on 90s night when the Nailers were wearing those really splashy jerseys. Got a chance to play a few games up in the AHL this past year and it'll be interesting to see with Troy whether Wilkes-Barre Scranton sees him ready to make that full step to the next level or if we'll see him from time to time obviously if we do see him that'll certainly be a big jolt to the offense and one of the things I really appreciated about Troy you could see that he can succeed at this level as an offensive player but especially as the season went on I noticed at least that his hitting picked up started to play more of a physical type of a game and I think making himself that more well-rounded player like we've talked about a lot this summer will really help him move up the ranks that much quicker and establish himself sooner than later as a full-time AHL player. Another player that Wilkes-Barre Scranton signed was defenseman Kevin Spinozzi. Spinozzi spent most of the beginning of the year in Wilkes-Barre Scranton and then ended the year here in Wheeling. Two goals, three assists, and five points in 12 games. We talked about new defenseman Dalton Carter having a cannon. Well, we also saw that Kevin Spinozzi can absolutely let it fly from the blue line. So if we get a chance to see Kevin a lot on the blue line this season, we'll hopefully
hopefully see that big blast of his ready to fire it into the back of the net. They also signed Jarrett Burton, who spent most of last season with Wilkes-Barre Scranton with the exception of a five-game stint here in Wheeling. He's a player that fans have grown to really love over the years. Came right around the same time as Derek Army did as he finished the 2013-14 season with a couple of games here in Wheeling before really having his breakthrough in 2014-15 as a rookie. And you look at the last two years where he has definitely spent more time of it in the AHL. And I think he is on that cusp of graduating to a full-time AHL player. And joining him there, of course, is also Patrick McGrath, who signs with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins once again. A Wilkes-Barre native. Amazing to think about with McGrath that he is already entering his sixth professional season. He spent parts of three years here in Wheeling, and it's been really fun to watch him, especially from the time that he started here, and obviously his M.O. was a fighter. But to be able to see him develop the other areas of his game, I thought his skating got worlds better from year one to year three here. I thought he could shoot, play a better offensive game from year one to year three, and I think that constant great hard work ethic is what has helped him prolong his career, stay in the American Hockey League for as long as he has, and ultimately this year will be his sixth pro season. Look, that's not an easy role to play. First of all, it takes a major toll on your body as you're throwing punches, getting punched, you're always battling along the walls. It definitely is a taxing position, but also with the way that hockey is changing, evolving, if you will, over the years where there are fewer and more far-between enforcers that you definitely have to be able to play the game in order to get in the lineup, and McGrath has certainly proved that. Again, wishing him the best as he goes into his sixth season, signing on with his hometown Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. So in thinking with McGrath, and kind of a nice little connection here as we transition, I was talking about the lifespans of some of these teams that kind of stay together. Patty's first year here in Wheeling was 2013-14, and you can draw a little bit of a similarity to 13-14, or at least the summer of 2013, to what we're going to be experiencing here this summer, because that was really Clark Donatelli's first chance to build his team from scratch. The 2011-12 team, Clark took over midseason for Stan Drulia. So you can theoretically say that that was mostly Stan's team. 2012-13 was an absolute mess, and that was because of the NHL lockout where you were getting close to a dozen NHL or AHL contracted players down here in the ECHL. So you weren't really getting much of a chance to build your own team. And you think about the players who could have and should have been on that team had it not been for the NHL lockout, and you could have been looking at a much different 12-13 season here in Wheeling where you would have had Matt Shepke, who went on and had a terrific year with Evansville that year, where you would have had Scooter Vaughn, who has become an AHL mainstay, and you look at Alex Belzeal, who is also earning himself another AHL contract, three players that unfortunately didn't get a chance to make that team. But you look at how the 13-14 team got built, and of course, yes, there were some veteran players like Chaz Johnson and Mike Ratchuk, but that was also when you had Pat McGrath, 
Zaheer Gill, Shane Baker, Max McKay, Mike Condon, all breaking in as rookies. And some of those players, you started to lay that foundation. They were the first group, and they were learning from the likes of Dustin Stevenson. And then you took that core, you take a McGrath, a Gill, a Baker, and you move along to the next year, 2014-15. And that's when you had our guest coming up and a little bit on the toolbox, Derek Army. Derek comes into the fold that year, and Jarrett Burton. And your core starts to build that much stronger. And then the next year, 15-16, that was when Cody Wido was a rookie and Brett Stern was a rookie. So you started that first year, 13-14, you built your core, and then you just kept adding to it, and ultimately it was a somewhat young team still, where you still had guys that were your core that were only in their third pro season. Shane Baker was your captain, yet only being a third-year pro, and you had built it up so that they were able to all get together. And I look at that a lot as we start to have it here this year, and Mark Dennehy is kind of starting with his new canvas this summer, designing his group that starts out, and with the division somewhat quiet right now, opening up a lot of possibilities. And we look at the division, and I had an interesting talk with Shane Alberani, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Fort Wayne Comets of the league meetings, and he mentioned that Fort Wayne was going through kind of a three-year plan, and Wheeling kind of ended on that three-year plan, and Fort Wayne was building up for this past year, and we've seen it a lot this summer where the Comets have had a ton of players hop the pond and go overseas. Sean Tidlowski, Garrett Thompson, Mason Baptista, Gabriel Desjardins, and where they still do have some core left, they're going to be looking at building a new group and starting a new maybe three-year plan, and I'm very curious to see maybe the Toledo Walleye are also in that same group where they are going to be on the starting stages of a really new crop of players. Toledo hasn't announced any signings yet and they also didn't qualify a lot of their bigger name guys that we're accustomed to seeing AJ Jenks, Shane Burschback, Alden Hirschfeld, Kyle Bonus already went to Europe so could be a very new look type of division and I'm curious to see I'm excited to see how it all comes together and how Mark Dennehy will start to build his group for not only this year, but how it's going to translate and how these players are going to evolve into the future seasons. And you do have a nice core of players who have been around, at least we're starting to, with Nick Saraceno going into his third pro season and also with Zach Lynch going into his third pro season. Cam Brown, you can take him from this past year, assuming he is here in Wheeling again this year, and he'll be a good one to start building around. He'll be in that kind of second year of his buildup in his pro career. Now, looking around briefly at transactions, there were also a couple of former Nailers who signed in other places. We always keep tabs on them throughout the summer and where they go. Right after I finished recording the show last week and we talked about Zach Tolkien and Cody Wido and Kenny Ryan, sure enough, the Maine Mariners announced another signing, and it's Riley Bourbonnet. Riley was on an American Hockey League contract with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins last season, so he makes his way up to Maine for the upcoming season. And then, just... Just a couple of days ago, Reed Gardner, who was under an AHL contract with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins last year, he has earned himself another AHL deal, and that is with the Utica Comets. And if the affiliation holds true, then if Reed is unable to stay in Utica for the entire season, which we hope he does, I mean, that'd be the best-case scenario for him in advancing his career. But if Reed does come down to the ECHL right now, Utica's affiliate is the Kalamazoo Wing who we see a good chunk of 
during the 18-19 season. Best of luck to Riley and to Reed, and uh, hopefully we won't have to see much of them going against them on the ice this season. Where are they now? We're going to talk about a former Wheeling Thunderbirds goaltender, actually the inaugural goaltender, Francis Ouellette, who played for the 1992-93 team. Francis has gone back to his hometown of Victoriaville, Quebec, and he is working as the business manager for the Victoriaville Youth Sports Clinic. Obviously, youth hockey plays a big part in that, so still being able to be active somehow, some way in the game, but also in sports as a whole, doing it with younger kids, which is always great, giving them some good leadership, some good coaching, good teaching, and to be able to continue to grow sports and athletics. So way to go, Francis Willette. Great to see he is doing some good work back home in Victoriaville. This week's guest on the Toolbox has had a very busy summer as he announced his retirement from hockey. He has accepted a position as an assistant coach of the Worcester Railers here in the ECHL, and he also got married just over a week ago. It is former Naylor forward Derek Army. And Derek, before we get into the hockey talk, I want to give a big congratulations to you and your wife, Jen, who got married. The wedding was on June 30th. How is the happy couple doing? Uh, happy couple's doing well. We're, uh, uh, we had a nice little, uh, trip around New England, close, stayed close to the family and, uh, we're waiting for our honeymoons not till August. So we're just kind of, uh, enjoying time together. Where are you going on the honeymoon? Let's get the details. <laughs> we're going to uh, Aruba. So, um, I've never been there and I've heard great things. So we are pretty excited. That's awesome. I was actually talking with Clark Donatelli at Penn's Development Camp just the day before he was going up to your wedding. He told me that you had a pretty good contingent of former nailers there. Is that true? We did. We had a uh, we had so we had obviously we had Clarky there, and then we had uh, we had Burton Bracer, Tanner Burton, Bakesy, and uh, and 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 Patty McGrath. That is awesome. So we had a we had a, we had a good a good little crew of nailers. That's for sure. So obviously that's a big highlight of your summer. But uh, also a big part of your summer, you're making a career change, going from a player to a coach and an assistant coach here in the ECHL. Was it a tough decision for you to make, or how did you arrive at it? I mean, it was. It, it definitely was. You know, uh, kind of started to creep up on me as the year went along. Uh, I was, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I, I wanted to get into coaching eventually, but um, it was one of those that over the year, um, it was a good year, and you know, different things happened that I didn't anticipate and especially in my, you know, my fourth year pro. And it was kind of like one of those that, uh, you know, I'd like to be close with uh, Jen and, and close with family. And, and it just, the way the year worked, as, as you know, um, didn't quite work in my favor. So it was just kind of one of those that, you know, maybe I wanted to, you know, have a little more, um, you know, a little more structure in my life, a little bit knowing where I'm going to be every day. And um, so just kind of an opportunity like this popped up and it just kind of was too hard to say no to. They always say that the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, and of course your dad has been in coaching for decades and decades at high levels of hockey. Is there something in the Army bloodlines that makes it coaching kind of that way to go? I think it. I think for sure. I, I mean, my dad had to have seen something uh, for my grandfather. I know they spent a lot, my grandfather spent a lot of time around the Rhode Island Reds where my great-grandfather worked, but, um, you know, I think me and my brother just watching my dad was kind of like, you know, we wanted to do the same thing. Um, we, you know, obviously we loved hockey. We had a passion to play. We enjoyed it every single day. But um, I think in the long run, me and my brother each knew that our our uh, 
kind of our calling card was going to be on the coaching side of things. And, um, you know, he answered the bell a little bit earlier than I did. Um, he's an assistant at, at Lawrence Academy for next year. And then, you know, obviously it was my time to kind of follow the footsteps. But I think it's just watching dad for so long. It's just like, that's what I want to do. I always get fascinated, and when you were here and he would come to town and watch your games where sometimes you'd talk to him, ask advice, but he wasn't one of those people who was always down your throat giving advice. What do you take away from that and being able to kind of experience things on your own and then still be able to utilize him as a resource, but obviously not picking up the phone every day? Yeah, I I mean, I think he did a good job of that all through – you know, my career and whether I was at Providence or, you know, in Wheeling, he always kind of, you know, he let me figure things out. He'd offer his bit, a uh, bit of advice, you know, here and there, or if I, you know, I wanted or needed it, he'd offer it. But um, I think he just went well, from a playing standpoint. I think he just enjoyed it being a parent and watching, you know, his son play hockey. And, um, but, you know, he was always there for some advice. And I think even in this, this decision I had to make um, this, this summer, he was right there and, you know, he offered his, his two cents when I asked and he, you know, he's always been there for me and always been there for my brother. And, um, so I, I I do think it'll help, um, you know, any, anything I need, I can go to him and, you know, it's a pretty good resource for a guy who's, you know, coached the NHL for a long time. So uh, I'm, I'm very lucky to have that. I'm very lucky to have that resource, but, um, I, you know, at the, at the foremost, he is, he is still my dad. And I think he's, uh, you know, enjoyed, just watching me and I think he's kind of enjoying too that I'm you know getting into coaching too as you get ready to make this jump into being a coach who are some of your favorite coaches that you've had over the years and were there certain traits that they had that you really appreciated yeah I think I I've had a quite a you know as you know I've played on quite a few teams so I've I've been able to see a lot of coaches and kind of take bits and pieces from uh you know what they have I think you know I love I always love playing for Clarkie I think if you ask any nailer um, they love playing for Clark. Clark, he was a player's coach. Um, I think my game really developed with him, um, you know, coaching me that first year. And um, I thought that was, that was huge for me. I think that, um, you know, moving on from that, then we had, you know, guys, I thought, you know, you had Govey or Jeff and, um, you know, they let you play. And then at the same time in the, in the American Hockey League, you had different guys who kind of offered different things. In Tucson, the guy was very structured, very detailed. He's a young coach. He, you know, I, I kind of learned a lot of the system stuff from him. They had great assistants in Tucson. And then um, same thing in Milwaukee. I learned a lot from, you know, Dean, who was his kind of strategy. His philosophy was almost like, you know, you're adults. Like, you know what to do. I'll give you the game plan. You be ready. And I thought, you know, that was, for me, that system was, you know, similar to Clarkie in that I, I love that system. And um, But I, I, have, I don't have a, a coach that I have anything bad to say about. I think I, each coach, I sort of picked a different, piece from that you know I liked or um or you know maybe they didn't do something I particularly you know like but uh, it all kind of combined and you know hopefully one day I can kind of have my own coaching style as a, as a blend of everyone you're still a young dude and yet you're making this transition yeah. so you're going to be coaching players who you played with who you played against you're going to have Nick Sorkin sitting in front of you on the bench this year <laughs> what's it going to be like being on the same age level as the players do you think that's a benefit uh, I think it, I think it is. I think today's day and age with, as you see in, um, you know, whether it be, um, you know, in any, any sport, it's kind of like, you know, a player wants a coach who, who tells him what to, you know, kind of tells him why we're, they're doing something and wants to know more about it or wants a little bits of advice. I don't think it's, you know, that old school, get on the goal line. I'm pissed at you. I'm going to yell at you kind of a style anymore. And I think that for me, 
fresh out of the game, I, I have an appreciation for, you know, how I wanted to be coach, how guys I played with wanted to be coach. And I think that for me, that comes to my advantage. Obviously I'm, you know, only an assistant coach. So um, I get the luxury of kind of just, you know, uh, you know, not being the, the, the bear of bad news ever, but at the same time, you know, relaying the coach's message, I, I think it's a pretty good spot for me. And I think that I, as a younger coach who's, who's, you know, fresh out, I do think I have a, a lot to offer and a, and a really good understanding of what guys want. All right, let's transition to my favorite part of these toolbox interviews when we start to reminisce about the time in Wheeling. So you got here first in the spring of 2014 as a fresh yeah. base senior out of Providence College. What was your first reaction starting your pro career and arriving in Wheeling, West Virginia, I'm guessing for the first time in your life? <laughs> Absolutely the first time in my life. So, I, you know, I, I was, you know, leaving college and, you know, I had a few calls from different teams in the coast and, um, you know, obviously I had a, a very comfortable and long relationship with Clarkie. He had been a, a volunteer assistant my freshman year at PC and we've known his family for a long time. And Clarkie, you know, he's like, you know, we want you out of arms. And so I'm like, okay, for, yeah, for sure. That sounds like a good spot. And so I, I, when I knew a couple of guys on the team, there's a few hockey East guys. And so, you know, I show up and, um, coincidentally, first thing I see in the locker room, I'm in the locker room and there is DJ Abacella walks into the door and I'm like, I, I, it had been years since we had seen DJ and, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I swear, I know, I swear, I know that guy. Like I'm, I'm for sure we went like he's from Scarborough. We went to high school together and sure enough, you come bombing over from the room and there you were a couple Scarborough boys in wheeling. And, uh, you know, that I, I always enjoyed that. And then, you know, you, you're living in the cabins and, I'm like, holy, what is going on here? But it was it was unbelievable. 2016 playoff run is obviously a moment that a lot of guys highlight as major favorite moments during their time here. I'm assuming that goes true for you as well. But are there any specific games or memories that stick out above all the rest? I think for me, uh, you know, on a as a as a rookie, I think personally there was you know one game, the game in Kalamazoo when I got a Gordy Howe hat trick. That was. Uh, a special one for me, one I'll always remember. I think every kid, you dream of, you know, getting a, you dream of getting a hat trick, but a Gordy Howe hat trick's way cooler. And so when I got that, that was, you know, pretty unbelievable. Uh, you know, we, I think we lost that night, but I remember calling my grandfather right after the game. I was like, Pop, did you see that? Um, and so, you know, I think for me, that fit with just playing in wheel, you have a lot of tough customers on a team. So it was like my own, it was kind of like my little, like, um, my own like hey boys like I, I'm I'm with you and I think that was a special game for me in my rookie career but um, I, I think a game that really stands out as you know in that rookie year is the uh, the end of the year line brawl with Redding oh yeah NASCAR night that was yeah NASCAR night what did I, I you know I didn't uh, I was not on the ice and that one I was on the on the bench with uh, you know sitting next to Bracer and Torquey and I remember seeing that we have maybe the, the toughest crew you can possibly have on the ice. And the Reading Royals did not uh, want any part of that. And they, they, paid, they certainly paid the price for that. And I think the, one of my favorite moments in that is there's a guy, I can't even remember his name, Bracer ended up fighting him later in the year, is standing over the bench yelling at us. And I've never seen Bracer and Torque in a, in a more hilarious mood yelling across the bench at this guy. And they gave it to him and gave it to him. And this poor guy was like, he, he would, all he wanted to do was fight. And these two are laughing at him and I was dying laughing on the bench and they come off the, the bench 
and Bracer and this guy are getting tossed from the game after the fight, and Bracer pretends to throw his gloves off at center ice, and the kid's, like, all riled up, and Bracer shakes his head at him and laughs and goes, like, I won't reveal what he said, but he, he, he gave it to the guy, and he skates off the ice dying laughing. And for me, that, that game was one of my favorite games. One of my favorite groups of people, that team, 14-15, the finals run 15-16. You guys had such a tight-knit group and so many fun personalities. It just made coming to the rink every day that much more fun. Yeah, I, I think that it was just like, I think the thing I, I see most out of it is that the guys, every single guy wanted to win. Every single guy was going to give you every single thing he had every day at the rink. But at the same time, as hard as the boys played, the boys also, you know, I think everyone, what made the wheel so special and so fun is the boys made sure to have fun off the ice. And um, we were always together. We were always out somewhere. And I think that's what made us kind of that, like, uh, you know, almost that bond that I've never really experienced on many teams. I don't know how much time you've had to reflect on it all, but when you look back at your playing career as a whole, what are you most proud of and what do you take away from it? Um. I think that, you know, the thing I'm most proud of, I think, is that, you know, that Kelly Cup run we had, um, you know, as, as, a, as, a team, as a player of a team, I thought that was, um, you know, something that was so special and just that, you know, these were all, it was a culmination of all uh, me and my buddies and, and we're, you know, we're in the battle together. We're facing all, every piece of adversity you can possibly throw at us. And, you know, it just kept, the train kept rolling and rolling and, Every single guy was a different guy every night, and it was just like, it, it was just, it was unbelievable. I thought, you know, the series could have gone, you know, maybe a little, obviously we wanted to go differently. I thought it could have gone differently, a couple bounces here or there, but um, that team, that bond, that kind of whole thing was, um, from a from a team perspective, that was about as special as, you know, for me as a player um, to experience, and I'll try, you know, carry those relationships and memories forever, but as a as a player, I think the, thing I'm most proud about is um, you know I don't think I think in my entire career you can look you can go way back I never missed a, a game for um, injury I played played a lot a lot of games and um, never never once for an injury so I, I kind of take a lot of pride in that that's incredible you left us with a great message for the fans when you retired and I know we're going to be talking to you again in February when we make the trip up there to Worcester to take on the Railers but do you have any other final thoughts for the fans here in Wheeling who really made it home for you from the spring of 2014 until this past spring I just think that I can't you know I can't thank the fans enough I can't thank you know everyone in Wheeling enough I thought it was it was unbelievable from the moment I got there you know it's very easy you're in a cabin you're away from home it's very easy to be like you know what this isn't for me I'm going home but for me I tried to embrace it I had a bunch of guys on the team who helped me embrace it and then you know you have fans who who live and die by the nailers and for us that's we appreciate that more than anything and I think that um you know from that first year on that even the college on it was you know fans they were coming up to you they knew your name um, you know, whether you're at Kroger, you run into people who, you know, are at the games and they're, they're asking you about different things. You're going to be ready for the weekend. You're going to be ready for Kalamazoo. And it's like, wow, these, these people care. And, it, you know, that makes everything a little bit more special. And um, during that run, it was kind of one of those that you could just, you walk down uh, Center Market and it was like everyone was a buzz. It was like the nailers. And it was, it was so special. And I think that um, in the last two years, too, how, you know, the relationships I've created with some of the fans and 
you know, just, just being able to give back. I think, you know, myself and I think a lot of guys played sort of a blue collar style. And um, I think, you know, it, we, we, the fans appreciated that. And I think we kind of did that because of the, because of the town, we, we were a part of it. We were, we were all nailers. I think the whole city was nailers were nailers. And it just kind of was like, you know what, we're going to, we're going to reflect what the city is. And I think that that went a long way for those teams and a long way for myself. And obviously I can't thank everyone enough for the support and uh, I'm love and whatnot. They gave myself and the team and, um, it was just an unbelievable experience. Derek Army, thank you so much for everything that you did, obviously, for us as an organization. You're an unbelievable ambassador of the team. And then uh, from my side, from the community, the PR, I mean, you can't thank you enough. And obviously, for taking a few minutes to talk to me today as you make your venture forward into being an assistant coach. And we wish you nothing but the best with the Worcester Railers this season. Thanks, Deej. And I always say, too, I always, uh, like, like I told everyone, too, if you you ask anyone who ever was like, oh, Army, you have to go up again. I always said, you know what, don't worry about it. You can't get the nailer out of me. I'll always work my way back. And, you know, I'm sure the same will be true again. I'm sure one day I'll be back in the old black and gold or um, whatnot. You just can't get rid of me that easy. It doesn't get much better than that. And, again, humongous thanks to Derek Army, the former Wheeling Nailers captain, and now entering two new chapters in his life. First of all, as a married man, again, congratulations to Derek and Jen, and also the assistant coach for the Worcester Railers. And it'll be so much fun to see him in February when we make the trip up there for our three-game weekend against those three teams, Manchester, Worcester, and Maine. And I know sometimes I will say, you know, I hope fans appreciate I don't need to say hope. I know that fans appreciated what Derek Army did here in his time with Wheeling, and you could just hear it in his voice and some of the things he was saying during the interview about how he embraced the city of Wheeling, how the city of Wheeling embraced him, he understood what it meant to be a nailer, and the longer I'm here, I feel I see that more and more where guys truly do embrace what it means to play here, what this community is all about, and what it means and how closely knit everybody is with the fans and the team intertwined. And obviously that, in addition to the wins on the ice, helped make that 2016 run to the Kelly Cup final that much more special. Some of the guys that he was talking about in the interviews, Zach Torquato, Riley Brace, Shane Baker, who really loved wheeling and so great to be able to have that and I can't wait to see our new guys this year embrace wheeling just as these previous players have kind of laid the work for them to be able to have such a great relationship with the fans so again thanks to Derek a, a tremendous interview and always somebody that I've enjoyed talking to and working with throughout the years here in wheeling so that does it for this week's edition of the Toolbox. Obviously, we covered a lot. We had a great conversation with Derek Army, so I hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll always keep you up to date on the latest with the Wheeling Nailers and throughout professional hockey. As always, make sure you are following us, wheelingnailers.com, and on our social media networks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For tickets and more information, you know what to do. Call 304-234-GOAL. I'm DJ Abacella. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next week on the Toolbox. Fox.